The Dog and Do Show is produced by Daimar Productions in association with Studio B Productions. Welcome to Utah's longest running sports podcast. This is Dog and Deuce. Every week we take a deep dive into the Utah Jazz, the Utes, Cougars, Aggies, and everything in between. All three local college football teams got huge victories last week. We'll break them all down and preview this weekend's games. Plus, the Utah Jazz suffered their first loss on Halloween weekend, but followed it up with a win against the defending champs. We'll take a look at this week's schedule. Also, is there drama between Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen? We've got all that and a whole lot more coming your way on Dog and Deuce number 385. Join the conversation at dogandeuce.com or send an email to dogandeuce at gmail.com. Thank you for this episode 385 of the Dog and Deuce Show. If you want to know more, and I sure hope you do, follow along with the show notes at dogandeuce.com. Watch the show all weekend long on your television sets on K-Patter TV in the Salt Lake Valley, on Backcountry TV in Southern Utah, or online at youtube.com slash ddonsports. And as always, you can listen wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Send us an email to doginduce at gmail.com. I'm Dog. And I'm Deuce. This is episode 385. We're recording a little early this week, so we're not going to be previewing the NFL week nine, but we will have all our picks online. I'll put them online at doginduce.com, so you can follow along if you want. But just know this. James is like freak. I don't know what he did this year. But he is killing it with his NFL picks, James. What what did what's going on, dude? Steroids, man. I I well, knew why they say it's the clear and the cream. I it worked. I Very knew bond, you know? there was some performance enhancing drugs going on because this is just abnormal. This is like once in a decade, literally once in a decade thing, man. Like my performance enhancing drug is coffee. Well, man, you're drinking a lot of it this year, then. <laughs> so, if, and for those who aren't paying attention, usually every year I. I kind of dominate you in our football picks yep. every year. And th- I mean, you're every single week you have either tied me or beat me by one. I don't think you beat me by more than one this year in any week. And now the lead is up to five and we're getting to the point. Like we're not there yet. We're getting to the point where it's, it, it could be insurmountable uh, pretty, pretty soon. I mean, I'm feeling the pressure. I'm not going to lie. This is the problem. I'm gripping it tight. And this is where the disaster happens. It's crazy. Um, well, c- congratulations. Thank you. We're, we're, we still got a long season. We got half, a uh, little over half the uh, season left. So who knows what will happen, but it's getting pretty scary. But um, uh, real quick, we, we're not getting paid. This isn't a sponsorship deal, but I am wearing our Jazz fans, uh, not ours, a Jazz fans against racism hoodie. This this new March merch that he's got out there, the the dark mode. I don't know if you can see that. Dude, that is like... I love it. This is my style, man, is, is the dark mode one. So uh, I just wanted to give him a quick shout out. Head over to, I think it's jazzfansagainstracism.com. Let me see. I got it right here. It's antiracistjazz.com. And like, dude, he's got tons of merch. So um, all the proceeds go to support the Utah Black History Museum, which is outstanding. And I was just wearing the hoodie. I, I just got it. And I thought, you know, we need to plug him as much as we can because he's doing God's work over there. Blair. Yeah, he's, that's looking sick. And 
I mean, my cart's so full. I wa- I always wonder if they see the cart on the other right. side and it's like three thousand dollars. It's like ah, now I have to pare it down to uh, thirty five. How do I get there? Well, every time I order something, I get something for Jess and I get something for my daughter. Like every time, right. so it's like I can't just get one thing, and I have to space it out. I've like told myself I got to space it out because I, I'm just like dropping so much money on that store but it's really good it's for a good cost so definitely check it out antiracistjazz.com we'll have links over at dogandeuce.com um okay let's see here BYU they they won the Bronco Bowl that Virginia defense sucks by the way it's awful um Utah State they beat Hawaii and I was wrong I I picked them to win but I thought it'd be a close game and I was way off on that one and Utah getting a huge win uh, the night before Halloween against UCLA. Let's start there, just because this has so many Pac-12 South implications here. And it definitely seems that they went to work on that uh, that red zone offense, because, man, they look good. Uh, thick boy turned into kick boy, and he's punting. He punted twice. So, I, and I, I don't know enough about that kind of play. Was that called or was that an, was that like one of those things where if you see it, run the play, but if not, then punt it? That's the Rundle, Randall Cunningham special. I think if my brain serves me correct, and I'm sure some of our fans will tell us if we're wrong, I think Randall Cunningham owns the longest punt in NFL history. Really? Because of that exact scenario. Or maybe it's college history. It's one of them where it's like they were on like the three yard line and just like that, like they knew he could kick and he did. And the defense thought they were going for it or whatever. And it just dribbled like 70 yards or something like that. 80 yards. Like there's something weird like that, or maybe his punt is like 60 yards. There something in my brain tells me that, but yeah, I mean, it's a nice option to have, but weird. It's weird. So Randall Cunningham, 91-yard punt. See that, man? So this Where I don't think college? this is in the NFL, though. I could be that wrong. Is that at UNLV or something, man, or wherever he played? It, he's wearing a green jersey, so I don't know I don't know where that's, it is. That's Dude, that's Philadelphia Eagles, baby. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, that's right. He doesn't have the longest, though. Steve O'Neill oh. has a, and this is from 1969, a 98-yard punt against the Broncos in, in 1969. So he has the second longest. Is that correct? It looks like. I mean, I don't know how much. I don't I mean, know. Dude, when you're a quarterback bordering on, in my opinion, Hall of Fame, because I I really respect and like Randall Cunningham, at least on the field. I don't know much about him off the field. But, uh, you know, the way he played and his skill set, you have to wonder what it would be like for him in today's game. But 91 yards from your QB. I don't think Thick Boy quite had that in his arsenal yet. But yes. you're right. The the he doesn't. I don't know if he's got that leg. But he pinned him in the ten both times. Ding ding. Beautiful. And then of course we have to mention the Utes scored forty four points, twenty two for Ty, twenty two for Aaron. That's pretty pretty cool. Especially on a night that they honored him and they they retired the uh, the number. That was beautiful. So. Yeah, that I mean, you know, the significance of that isn't uh, lost on me and sort of ironic how things work out in that context, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it's weird fate and numbers and all that, how, you know, butterfly effect, whatever you want to call it, man. It's uh, it's bizarre. But what a, what a victory. I mean, and Arizona State lost, right? Yeah. So, like, so- just like we talked about, things are looking up for the boys up on the hill. Right now, the Utes, 
effectively have a two game lead in the South because they're they're up one on Arizona State, but they have the tiebreaker. So uh, that was a huge, huge win for Utah to get that. And I mean, it's easy to say, well, DTR didn't play, but I'll tell you what, that backup quarterback played damn well. And UCLA actually hung in there. They just, their defense could not stop the Utes. I mean, they, they it looked like a, a pro, like a, a, an NFL offense out there. Yeah, I've, you know, I've been talking in it with, with people as, as the weeks have gone on and, you know, the defense really finally felt like it showed up a little bit, right? Like we were kind of hearkening back to who we expect to be on that side of the ball. But it's just so uniquely bizarre to be living in a world where you can rely on the Utah offense, but not on the defense consistently. Yeah. Like it really makes me wake up and be like, what matrix, where am I at? Like, how is this possible? And then the fact that we're even calling on a quarterback. I don't care how good Cam Rising is at kicking. And like you said, pinned him inside the 10 twice. We have all American punters. <laughs> we have Ray Guy winners. We have Tom Hackett as one of the 50 best players in the Pac-12. History of the Pac-12. And we're calling on the QB to go Randall Cunningham on it. I mean, it's like a dream it, or something. I don't know, but it's – it. It's throwing me for a loop. Each day is a another loop in Utah football history for my brain. It's like bizarro world. <laughs> not only that, but like, but uh, BYU beat Utah this year. Utah State is like gangbusters right now. Like it, it feels everything's weird. It just feels weird. And then to see Kyle Whittingham yelling at Morgan Scally on the sidelines, like yelling at him. It's just it's kind of funny because. Usually it's the other way around. Usually it's it's him yelling at whatever offensive coordinator we have that year, you know. And then and the next thing you know, it's a revolving door again. We got a new guy coming in next year because he can't handle Wits' rage, and now it's he's yelling at Morgan Scally. It's just it's weird, man. It's it's crazy. But um, isn't it proof why we always wondered like why would the offensive coordinator want to be on the uh, in the booth? Oh, he <laughs> wants to see the field. It's like no, he no. wants to be able to mute Wit when everything goes wrong. Exactly. Now- Exactly. Morgan's like, I'm headed up to the booth, man. I got to really see the safety <laughs> Like, if that happens next week, it's just assured that that's why all the OCs stayed on the exactly the booth, on the sideline. Exactly. But um, it's fun to see all all three teams win. Uh, I was. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I I'm a Utah fan, but that's not why. But I was kind of rooting for Bronco to get the victory, just because. It would have been a fun story for us to tell, you know? It would have been fun. But it was cool to see them, and we'll get to that game. But first of all, the Utes got to go up to the farm now, and mm-hmm. they got to follow it up. And here's the thing. Like, you look at it. Utes are favored by seven on the road. You you look at Stanford. You're like, oh, they could beat them. But Stanford beat Oregon, dude. Like, this is the Pac-12 where every team sucks, but every team's also really good. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. And that's why... I am nervous for every single game that they have to play because right now they need every single win in order to, to really solidify their Pac-12 South lead. They're going to drop at least one going forward. And I, I'm pretty sure it's Oregon, but I could see it happening this week just because that's what happens in the Pac-12. Um, but let's break this down. What, I mean, what do you see going forward? It, Friday night game, so it's a little bit of a short week for the Utes. They played late on Saturday. Uh, what do you expect to happen on the farm? I mean, this is a, and this has sort of been this way for, you know, a couple years, at least last year and into this year um, for Stanford. Like, when did they forget how to stop the run and when did they stop running? Right. Now they just fling it around the yard 
and let the other team run it down their throat and hope for a victory. And like you say, I mean, obviously, you if you're a Ute fan, you can't dismiss, or a Ute player or a Ute coach, you can't dismiss Stanford because they beat the sixth or seventh best team in the country, undoubtedly, who went to Ohio State and got a W. Granted, it was early in the year, but still, going to the horseshoe and winning is a big deal, right? Like, no matter what week it is, that's a hard place to play. So you know that the Utes need to show up and show up in a big way. Very similar to what you saw from, I think, uh, you know, last Saturday, a few days ago, uh, versus UCLA, where UCLA started out on fire. I mean, it's it's sort of a repeat, you know? We thought, oh, my gosh, they're beating Ed Odron, essentially – assured that Ed Odron will not coach in Baton Rouge this year. Yep. Right. After he called their uniform sissy and then lost to him. You can't do that. If you're from Louisiana newsflash, that's not how it works down there. Nope. Um, so they, they've got one coach fired uh, UCLA did and, 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 and Stanford and David Shaw, it's like a complete reversal with a young quarterback who is able to throw it, man, the pressure needs to be there. We need to see the guys up front, including Devin Lloyd and Nephi Sewell, if he's available, to get heavy pressure. Because for all the good that we've seen out of the defensive backfield, I worry, and like I texted you last night in the Chiefs game, that they're going to start giving up a couple big plays a game. And if the offense sputters, that leaves us in no man's land and a loss very possible. It is. I mean, I, mean, I don't want to be alarmist. But it like, look, I'll just I'll be a broken record. It's the Pac-12. Anything can happen. And it, and it usually does. I am very encouraged by the offensive line play, though. They looked really good. I mean, and Tavion Thomas was outstanding, but also give the O-line some credit because they opened up holes for him that I could have run through. Like they were so, I mean, he did the work for sure, but also he had a lot of help there. So it was a a joint effort. Plus Cam had all day to throw it. I mean, it was beautiful. Got to get those snaps under control though. That's, that's a little concerning. Um, Even, even so Nick Ford took some, I can't remember which award it was, but some weekly award this week. So even with the bad snaps. Yeah. I mean, and look, and I, and you know, I guess Brian Brown's appreciative. I'm appreciative, appreciative that you're pointing that out. Like, that's really, and we've talked about it many times, where it begins and ends on both sides of the ball. If the men up front aren't getting the job done, your chance for success goes down based on their level of inefficiency or ineffectiveness, right? Right. And over last week, you clearly saw a Utah team that, you know, look, they got a break. Even though the backup played well for UCLA, I think not having DTR there really was substantially impacted UCLA's chances, right? And I didn't know that. I don't know about you. That was sort of shock. I didn't know it till that morning. Right. And and even then I thought it might be a little gamesmanship. Same. (laughs) You know, I mean, Chip Kelly is nothing but a a magician joker guy who would do something like that. And so I roll in from my fifth round of trick or treating running around the neighborhood. And I'm like, wait, 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 what is going on? Did we hurt him? You know? And so, you know, they got a break there. You can't bank on breaks. You got to get pressure. Right. I have Utah winning, but man, like you said, the rest of the year, it's, I'm going to be pretty nervous every Saturday as the hours lead up to kickoff. Well, also, I mean, how many times have we been through this as Utah fans? November rolls around. It's the November curse because that's usually when the, the schedule toughens up. 
And I got to say, I, you know, I haven't been listening to a lot of talk radio, but I did catch a very prominent person say he has no fear of November. And I almost Mm. in my heart of hearts, Mm -mm. almost tweeted him like, dude, you have assured another November collapse. I don't care if the schedule looks easy. It's a mindset. And we haven't been able to finish really all that often. More often than not, we collapse. Although, you know, maybe recent history would be a little different than that. Uh, but even in 19, I feel like there was a stinker sure. in there. Right. And uh, it's not just that they lose. It's the manner in which they've lost in previous years that gives me pause for concern. It's not like it's like 17, 14, last second, 58 yard field goal by a kicker who is a walk on brought off the bench. It's like 44, 10. Yes, and we right. never had a shot. Right, right. Just and so crushing. everyone's raging for three hours, you know, afterwards, and it just continues as the month goes on. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Halloween is not. So let's not try to ruin it this year. Like, can we please just win every game in November, or at least everyone except for Oregon? And in a way, like as long as we win three out of four, I don't think you want to beat Oregon. I think you want them to like save you know, it for the the, the championship game. Seems like I don't it'd be know, hard though. to beat them in three weeks, twice in three weeks to me. That is true. But also, if you lose to Oregon, I mean, how how loud is 2019 screaming in your ear? You can't beat Oregon. You can't beat Oregon. You know, that's the thing going into that. Like, it's the thing that doesn't, that, that makes me feel a little bit better about November this year is that this, this year is just insane. Like, it's just so weird. Everything that we thought we knew that we could count on year in and year out with this Utah team is out the window. We beat USC on the road. Uh, we started off awful. Like, when's the last time we lost an out-of-conference game? You know, and they lost two of them this year. It's been a minute, yeah. So, I mean, just everything. And then they put it together, and then now it's starting to, to win. So, who knows what's going to happen? They lost to Oregon State, for crying out loud. That's a team you don't lose to very often, going back to even the Mountain West days with that miracle victory in two, in 2008. So, that's the only thing that makes me a little bit comforted. But it's still, it's November, man. And until uh, that last game against Colorado until that buzzer sounds, I'm still going to be nervous. But uh, I got Utah winning this as well, but I think it'll be close. They're favored by seven, but I only got them winning by five. I got them going 35-30. Wow. So you're seeing a defensive, I don't want to call it a collapse, but you're not buying what, what was being sold last Saturday. No, uh, not yet. Not. I mean, it's there's been too much inconsistency. And... If if Stanford decides to run, we saw what Oregon State did. You can apparently run all over this defense, which is not something I ever thought I'd say. Yeah, see, I think the defense has recognized, at least mentally, the efforts there. We don't want to be what the offense was to us. Can you imagine those guys just grinding their teeth like people are talking about us, like the offense of letting them down? Walls being smashed, God only knows. Like, uh, I got Utah winning 41 to 17. 42 17. Wow. 25 points. And I, I'm, I'm going to say that there's a Britton Covey kick return in there as well. I, you and know I'll what? Also watch for a trick play. That's interesting because you're saying how nervous you are. Then it's like, yeah, they're going to blow them out. Because what I think what will happen, like, I think it will be close for probably the first 18 to 20 minutes. And then I think they'll have worn down Stanford enough where the second half will be 
a couple INTs, maybe a pick six, a lot, a lot of turnovers in the second half. If they don't get turnovers, Stanford can and will make it extremely close. But I, I, I foresee some turnovers from the Utah defense. Just, just like Could we be. saw last week. I mean, that tip and then tip and then follow through. I'm expecting to see more of that, especially if they're not worried about the run which you really don't have to be right now versus Stanford. It's interesting because they wouldn't have got to 44, which again, 22 for Ty and 22 for Aaron without that safety, which was set up by Cam's punt. True. Beautiful. Beautiful. You know, it's my favorite play in all of football is a safety. It's complete and utter domination. It, It really, it's just the most demoralizing thing ever because not only not only do you do you lose do you give up points, but then you have to kick the ball off. So now they get the ball again. Like it's just it's crazy. It's crazy. It is. I mean, you know, anytime you get a safety, you're just like, yeah, man, I'll see you in a little bit after you kick the ball to it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's the best. See Safety's you in two plays. Two plays. <laughs> we're back at it. Exactly. Um, okay, let's move on to BYU, Virginia, the Bronco Bowl. Holy cow, man! I mean. Uh, I, I think we talked about this last week about how bad that Virginia defense is, but I, wow, dude. I mean, give BYU credit. Don't get me wrong, but to give up 66 points, how is that possible? It's wild. That's, that's I mean, higher than a lot of bas- college basketball games. If air force is air force basketball team is jealous of that. 66, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, we only get 42 a game. What is going on? And then how them? you put up 49 and you lose? And what, 21, 21 nil in the fourth quarter to really secure the – I mean, let's be honest, BYU showed a lot of heart. They were down totally. early. Totally. They yep. were down early. Uh, really easy to give up, especially given the circumstances of the former coach returning. But to show that kind of you know um, determination and, and zeal – to uh, Im- impose their will um, is impressive, but man, you got to do something else. If you're, if you're the Virginia defense, I don't know. Don't rush anyone. Maybe let's try that. Like, <laughs> or two people, you know, I know Bronco is really creative for what does he play? Like a three, three, five defense typically um, maybe play a three, eight defense or so, which essentially is what he's doing most of the times. But I mean, and then crazy blitz package blitz packages off of that, but like sixty six. And I mean, I mean, BYU gave up what forty nine. Yeah, yeah, which worries you me. Give, you don't give up forty nine often and secure a W. It's unbelievable, especially when there's not like five or six turnovers that you got. <laughs> I think you yeah. only got one net turnover, or maybe three. Tur- I don't. I don't know. I'd have to look at it again. But uh, it's not good. I'll tell you that. It's it's surprising. So uh, that's. A huge win because I really think that was kind of the last real test. We'll we'll see because at USC, I mean, we talk about this all the time, especially with Utah because they play them. They play USC quite a bit. You just never know with USC because they do year in and year out. They have the talent to to really compete with anybody if they can put it together. They just can't put it together. So last game of the year, you never know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to be at stake. You don't know what's going to happen the week before. Maybe USC will be trying to save face and they'll really come out to play. Uh, but talent wise, they should, they, they should, you know, stand with anybody, but they're just, the wheels have come off there. So I don't see it being a huge problem for BYU in a month, 
but you never know. But this was really the last real test I think BYU had. Yeah, and without knowing, I mean, I think USC will be formidable. If you consider 19 with Pittman and them, BYU getting the victory down in Provo, there's still a few guys on that squad who will not have forgotten that, even though, you know, Helton is Coach Helton is around. I mean, I, I believe Keaton Slovis was still the quarterback at that point in the game. True. No, he's not going to forget that. Um, and I still think that'll be – I know I, I know what you're saying, and, and I get it, uh, but I, I still – I'm sort of eyeing that one. I mean, who, who do they have this week? Idaho State. Idaho State. Who is? Don't get me wrong. I love I love me some Bengals. All right. I love the Idaho State Bengals. But what what is there even to discuss? You know, I mean, I, I there's nothing because Idaho State overall one and five in the Big Sky Conference. No, I'm sorry. Overall one and seven in the Big Sky Conference. One and five. Their one victory was to UC Davis. Which is interesting because that's UC Davis's only loss, uh, which is interesting. But, I mean, this is not – I mean, they're giving up tons of points. They can't score. And they're playing big sky teams. So now they're going to have to play BYU, who is riding high, just put up 66 on Virginia. I mean, I don't think it'll be – I, I want to go, like, crazy score. Like, a couple of years ago, remember, I, I think I picked Utah State to win, like, and went score, like, 70 points or something like that. I want to do this that this week, but I can't because it just feels irresponsible. So and they were they weren't far off. I want to remind you of your kudos. It was that was like I know I was like that's insanity. You're being a fool. You never pick seventy, and it was like sixty or so. And I was like, man, I thought it was like sixty six or something like maybe. that. Like it was. I, I didn't want to go too high. Right. Give you too much credit. Right. Come on now. But that was that year they were just dominating with Jordan Love, just putting up crazy numbers. And I want to do that. It just feels irresponsible to do that. So I'm going to go 48-13 BYU. And is this at home or in Pocatello? This is at home, I'm pretty sure. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, it's in Provo. Dang it. I was going to and, send Kalani a text and have him bring me some buddies. But so I guess that's off the table. That's off the table. Off the table. Uh, what did you go? 48 to what? 48-13. So you're not calling shutout. Is it more likely... No. BYU scores 50 or more, or they shut out. Uh, it's more likely they score 50 or more. I know. Shutouts are hard to come by. It, it's hard. It doesn't matter who it is. It's hard. And plus, like, you gave up 49 last week. So I'm going to I'm gonna good point. maybe good not point. go all in on your defense when you gave up 49. It's a bummer, too, that they don't get to play in, inside a stadium because, you know, the Bengals have one of the few indoor. Oh, yeah. It's a weird looking. Is that the weird looking one, too? I can't remember. Everything like looks gym. weird in Pocatello. That's why I love it. <laughs> um, I'll go. I'm not going to go quite as high as you. I'll go. Let's see. 42 to nine. I don't think they score a touchdown, but get three field goals. 42, nine BYU Cougars. Okay. So we're, we're not that far off. No, I like your score, man. Uh, I don't know what the spread is because at the time of this recording, it's not been released yet. They don't want that one. Dude, calculators they don't do go, not want Yeah, that calculators don't go up that high. That's the problem. Um, okay, Aggies, again, like all, all year long, they have been grinding out wins. Even to teams that they should blow out, they've been grinding out wins. So I didn't have a whole lot of confidence that they would blow out Hawaii just because that's what's been going on, but I was wrong. They did, and they look good. Um, this was in the middle of the day. I had family in town. I couldn't even watch the whole thing. Uh, also I went trick or treating both nights with the kids 
And so I missed two jazz games and I missed the first quarter of the BYU and Utah games. So that kind of commitment to fatherhood should be applauded. I know. I mean, I, you better believe I reminded her. I reminded my daughter like every five minutes, like look, I'm missing a lot of stuff for you. Just so you know, just that's, that's how much worth of reminders. Man. I know. This behavior like, dude, we're going trick or treating zero next year. I gave you two this year. I got to buy year next year. Exactly. Remember that I got to buy year in my hat. If you keep pushing it, sister, we're out of here. Dude, that's good parenting right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Well, I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but now they are going to take on the independent New Mexico State Aggies. And I, look, there are too many teams with the name Aggies. True. I can, count, I can count three just off the top of my head. That's too many. You don't want to be the cows. A lot of ag schools out there, man. I mean, I get it. Farming. I get it, but... Uh, I just I don't like I don't like the name, and I know Utah State fans are gonna hate me for it, but like the cows, I don't want to be called a cow. Like to me, that's an insult, you know. Like we- I thought you liked Bart Simpson, isn't that one of his famous things? No, he says don't have a cow. Exactly, don't have it has a cow. Cow in it. Why don't cow. we just call them the heifers? <laughs> oh, let's just easy, let's just call our school bro. the heifers. It's the same easy. thing to me. Just remember when you're dealing with farm people, bad things can happen if you piss them off. I'm not trying to piss them off. I'm just saying. But you are. I like, know you're not trying have to. Have something intimidating. Like have a name that's intimidating. Like um, the tractors. The tra- tractors. The John Deere's. The John Deere's. <laughs> that's that's what's coming up next is now instead of just having bowl names or bowl names uh, sponsored by, by companies, we're going to have teams sponsored by companies. And they'll be the, the Utah State John Deere's. Yeah, I was going to run this by you. I mean, first of all, the season's not over and the story hasn't been completely written. But through this far, how many weeks are we in? Eight or nine? Nine weeks in. Um, is there a better story than Blake Anderson and Utah State in this market? Now, look, if the Utes go on to win the Pac-12 championship, I think given the tragedy and everything surrounding it, that surpasses even if the Aggies went out because sure. that's insanity. But right now, as it currently sits, you know, bowl eligible, pick to have three and a half wins, new coach, lots of transfers from Arkansas State and other places, and bowl eligible at the end of October before Halloween. Yep. I mean, uh, as it currently sits, there is no better college football story, um, in my opinion, in the state of Utah than that from the boys up in Logan. I agree. I'm wondering when they are going to start getting some votes in the top 25. Like, even if they don't get it, they don't have any votes yet. Nevada does. Nevada had two. Nevada. I mean, they have the same record. Wolfpack. Yeah. So to me, I I think the Aggies need to start getting some love nationally. I mean, I'm not expecting them. Look, I get it. I get how it is. I'm not expecting them to be, you know, ranked top 20 or top 15, but just to get some votes, at least at this point for what they've done. uh, To me, it's kind of crazy. They haven't. Whereas BYU has been in the top 10, dropped out, come back. Like, Let's see some love for the Aggies. No doubt. And their losses haven't been like anything, you know, where you're like, whoa, they were kind of close, right? And and yeah. you could reasonably foresee that those games could have been victories if turnovers didn't happen a couple times, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I'm with you. What, where are the votes? Where are the love? What are the people looking at? Clearly not. They're not paying attention to Logan, which is unfortunate right. because – Something special is brewing up there. The, I mean, if this continues, 
next year it's it's on for real i mean they got to keep it going but i i agree to me that the bad loss is boise state because that was an ugly one that was on national tv and if i were a betting man and i gave truth serum to all the voters out there i would say that they remember that one and that one looks bad the loss to byu it's not bad it's 14 point loss they hung in there BYU is a good team, a ranked team. I think they were top 10 at the time or close to it. So that's not a bad loss, especially to a rival. But that Boise State one, I, my, if I were a betting man, I would say that's probably the thing that's keeping them from getting votes. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, I'd say that's a good assumption. You're absolutely right. But even that game, right? They had a boat. Is that the game where they had a boatload of yards and they just couldn't keep couldn't, control over it? They only scored three points. Yeah, they couldn't. Kept turning the ball over. Couldn't score. It was it was ugly. So it was there. You just couldn't hold on to the ball. It's like a Utah, you know, a Tavion Thomas yep. game. When Pink Evans, <laughs> if you've noticed him lately, dude. he looks like Christian Okoye with that ball. Like, whoa, dude, try to tie it up. He's getting a little more free, but he better not put that on the ground. Yeah, I'm so happy for Aggie Nation. Blake Anderson, after all he's been through in his personal life, and the people of Logan. Let's hope they keep it rolling. Uh, I think they will. The Aggies of Utah State are favored by 18 and a half, which is a pretty good line, uh, on the road. And so I think they're going to cover. I'm going 40-20 Utah State. 40-20. Aren't they bound for a slight letdown? You know, here's the thing. That, can you run that juju all the way down the road? But here's the thing. Uh, normally I'd say yes, but w- some of these wins that they've grinded out, they had their letdowns and they fought back and won. And now, like from what I saw against Hawaii, they're playing comp- with confidence. They're playing like they wanted to play earlier on. I think, I think some of these letdowns came earlier on when they – thought they had the swag going and they started to get a little overconfident and then they found out, Oh, UNLV is a lot tougher than we thought. Colorado state's a lot tougher than we thought. And so I think that's where they had the letdowns, but they, they grinded it out and they won regardless. I think they're getting a victory, but I do think they're going to cover. Yeah. I won't go with the cover, but I'll, I'll go. Uh, let's see here. 31, 24 Aggies. Wow. And my, here's my thing that I wanted to post to you. Like, I know you're not going to stadiums, but hopefully by this time rolls around, we'll be able to. Everyone will be all vaxxed up and we'll feel good about it. I almost feel like if they're going to the potato bowl, we got to hit a road trip. Dude, I'm down. Boise gets down. Boise gets down. The only way it wouldn't be possible is if go up and see Dragon Squatch. Yep. Go up there. Yep. Potato Bowl, right? Yep. Um, uh, shout out to the Jazz Pod Co-op. Is that what it's called? I always screw that up. <laughs> you got it's it, like dude. Cam- the Jazz, the jazz wow. Pod Co-op. Yeah. And, and Things are falling into place for me today. Um, Logan Cox, who's it. at Dragon Squatch. He's one of the uh, the hosts of Hitting the High Notes. Good friends go. of ours, along there with Who go. and Jared. I mean, the only way it would be questionable is if the Utes, if it's because I know the Idaho Potato Bowl is played on a weird day, not a very good day as far as bowl games go. Is it the Utes are in a bowl game or it's over? I don't think it'll be on the Pac-12 championship because I think the Pac-12 championship is a week, a month from today. Crazy. Oh, really? Relatively quick. Wow. Like within 35 days. Wow. That's crazy. Let's see here. I I bet you it's right listed right here. It is December 3rd. So that is exactly one month from tomorrow as we record this. So probably one month from today if you're listening today, it's uploaded. 
Crazy. So, I mean, that's Dude, I'm down. Put on I'm, my radar, man. I'm down. I've never traveled for a team that's not mine. So <laughs> I'm I'm down, dude. I, I will go represent Aggie Nation. For sure. And, and Aggie fans listening, if this occurs, find us. I'll wear your shirt of blue. I won't buy one because that's <laughs> I might be disowned from my family. I mean, it does that that's kind of I can't do that, but I can receive one and wear it. And I'd gladly do that for you. What other rival would do that other than Utah fans do that for their rival? I mean, I don't think anyone other than us would do it. We got I, some pretty hardcore, you know, like I, but I would love to, yeah. especially if they're playing like, boy, I would love it if it's a Boise state rematch. That'd be amazing just to see. Cause we know, we know Utah state is better than the way, than what they showed because they actually showed pretty well. They just couldn't get the ball in the end zone. Right, but and they and, and they had a, on a, their home turf because that'd yeah. be a home game just to oh, just to see Boise dude. State Bronco fans cry. Few teams give me greater joy than to watch them man cry. As the I kids think, say, I'm here for it. Yeah, dude, like, I, like <laughs> that is mean. What has gotten into me? That's mean. Like, <laughs> getting joy out of but dude, scares. but it's dude. Boise State. You know, I mean, they're 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 people technically, but kinda. We're doing a rebranding currently, and we don't even know it. It's like the show your mother doesn't want you to watch. <laughs> That's what we are now called. Like, ah, your mother doesn't want you to watch this show. Uh, talking so Welcome. much trash. Welcome in. Uh, okay. I think that does it for college football. We uh, still got to talk some jazz basketball. I want to talk about the Scottie Pippen thing, too. So we'll get to that before we have to go. But the jazz, um, they lost a game against the Chicago Bulls. The I mean, the Bulls are looking good, dude. Like, all the way around. The Jazz, I almost said Ricky Rubio. The Jazz didn't have Mike Conley, uh, not Ricky Rubio. And that obviously was a problem. But it's, and I know Jazz, not just Jazz fans. I, I, I hate it when people just, oh, Jazz fans are the worst because, you know, we overreact to every loss. Every fan base does it, man. Every single fan base. So there's a lot of things you can criticize Jazz fans for. That's not one of them because that is with every single fan base. We overreact to losses. That's what we do. And so I know. I mean, check 76ers, Boston oh, Celtics, dude, the LA worst. Laker Twitter after a loss. The and worst. it makes Jazz fans look mellow. For real. For real. It does. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, but I know people were bummed after, after that loss, but they bounced back. They beat the Bucks. Now, let's be honest. They should have beat the Bucks because they were missing three of their starters. So that's a team you, you should, you should win. Still, I know Giannis is damn good. And even watching him, like he's one of those players where you know he's good, but until you're watching him, you kind of forget just how dominant he can be and everything that he can do. And he was like, it was just, I got to see the first half of that before I left to go trick-or-treating. And I was just floored by some of the stuff he was doing. And he's just, he's a special player. And, but you still, you still should beat those guys just because they're missing their three starters. That's, that's what a team who's contending for a title should do. You should take advantage of teams who are short-manned. And that's what the Jazz did. And so then, they got that win. So we were, we, you and I were right. They went, I think, three and one uh, since our last show, but we just mixed up which game they would win and lose. But uh, I was happy with it, man. I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still don't think the Jazz are playing the best they can. Agreed. Right. I mean, they're winning, which is, I mean, in some ways, that's more impressive because they're not playing, I don't think, at peak Jazz, or at least how I imagine peak Jazz, but the victories are still coming. And that's important, especially early in the year. 
And I, I mean, I was a little disappointed because they got up early on the Bucks and then let them slip back in, right? Which I and, and like you're saying, down three men, you know, when when Pat Connington is dropping threes <laughs> on you and you're starting to wonder, could he be an all-star? I was a little disappointed in the defensive effort at times, but overall it was extremely solid. Um, but I, and you're right, man. Giannis is just like He's so freakishly gifted and unselfish. You can't help but watch him right. constantly. Right. I mean, I watched him more than I watched Donovan or Rudy, no matter which he was playing, offense or defense, just because his anticipation, his understanding of the nuances of the game, and then his freakish athleticism makes even just the most simple movements seem extremely elegant. Right. 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 I mean, and so I totally relate to where you're coming from on that. I mean, the one thing I do have to ask you, and, and it relates back to their only loss on, you know, through, through last week is I heard Kendrick Perkins say Zach Levine is the best two guard in the NBA. Where do you come? I was like, that can't uh, look, be man, close to the truth. Kendrick Perkins, to me, it seems like he says a lot of things like a Skip Bayless type guy, you know, where he's saying things just so he can get some reactions. And how ironic is that given Kendrick Perkins sort of outside perceived attitude when he was a player of like a guy who would just like, I mean, he had some issues when he left, you know, especially after he left Boston and went to OKC. And then I can't remember where he went after that. He was bordering on kind of being, I don't want to call it a cancer, but a distraction, a distraction. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like to the level of Ben Simmons because he's, I mean, A, he's not Ben Simmons. But when I heard that, I just started to try to think, like, name some two guards. Like, is he better than Donovan Mitchell? I I mean, I'm going to say Donovan's a two guard. No. Right. I don't think so. I mean, it's certainly the lack of playoff appearances wouldn't seem to indicate that. Is he better than, I mean, help me, name some two guards. Like, I was just like, there's no way. Is he better than Devin Booker? Yeah, I was just going to say Devin Booker. He plays the two, right? Yeah, I would think so. You know, or, or a Defini- morph of it. Definitely not better than Devin Booker. Definitely no. not better than Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Uh, yeah, and so I was just like, wow, what an out. I mean, Look, he's balling out. It's I'm not like, saying what? he couldn't be at some point. He's on the rise. He can't shoot, though. He can't he shoot. He cannot he can't shoot, shoot like you need to to be. I mean, he can dunk, and he's fabulous at the rim. He may be the best two guard at the rim. So if you add that corollary, I'll be like, okay, he's got hops. He's got ability to go from one side to the other in the air. Sure. I'll go with you on that. But his shooting touch definitely needs to get better. If Donovan Mitchell can actually stop missing dunks, then he might, (laughs) he might be better than Zach Levine. But until that happens, I don't know. Uh, I put Zach Zach Levine ahead of him at the rim, but one more thing. Yeah. Is it true? This is and my dog keeps shaking his head. So I apologize. <laughs> the dog and do show. He's got to make himself known. Got to. Uh, <laughs> um, I was told by a little birdie that Donovan Mitchell does not wear contacts di- during a game, but needs to because he's afraid to touch his eye. Yep, that was. I think it was in the trip. Okay, see, I didn't read the. I don't read papers because you know I don't disinformation, man. <laughs> well, plus that's trying. not that's not even a paper anymore. It's just online. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but yeah, interesting thing. Like, well, I, it's got to be his eyes must not be that bad. I mean, that's all there is to it. I, and I know, like, this is kind of what's nice is that that's our big story for our superstar, <laughs> you know, and not like 
what's going on in Boston right now with Marcus Smart and what he said. I don't know if you saw that, um, but uh, he's he's calling out the lead guys, Jason Tatum and and uh, Jalen because they're not passing the ball. We don't ha- we're not having those stories right now, which is good. We're having a story about Donovan Mitchell not wearing contacts. So as long as that's the lead story, I'm fine. But I I mean it, his ice must just not be that bad. That's the only thing I can think of. I mean, because like, I don't know. Have you ever put in contacts? No, but I'm like him. I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Everyone has that. Okay. Like, like it's, I, I have. And for the first about three months of putting in contact lenses, at least for me, it is extremely difficult because you see, you have a built natural reflex to not allow something to come to your eyes. Sure. So I, I, either you're right. Like to me, my initial reaction was, and I didn't read the story. I was like, what? He can't pay someone. We can't figure this out. If it even increases his three point percentage and ability to dunk at the rim, as you just mentioned, <laughs> by a mere 3%, it's worth the effort. Like, that's true. What is, He'll do it, what man. Is that? Like, he, like, that's the thing about Donovan. He is, um, it's part of the reason we love him is that he's kind of just like a kid at heart. You know, like I don't I don't want to say immature because I don't think he's immature, but he's Not just kind of like a kid. Like after the, the plane incident, I'm very understandable, but he's like, I don't want to fly, which is it's understandable. But it's also like, you know, it's it's very like uh, useful and very wide eyed, like looking at the world like a like with new eyes, you know, and, and it's like, no, I don't want to touch my eye. Like it's <laughs> kind of how I see him. And that's why we love him. Yep. Yeah, I know. I just was like. When I was told that, I was like, there's got to be a remedy. Even if we get a half a percent tick up, we've yeah. got to someone. There's an ophthalmologist out there. If not, devise something that can help this man get a contact in. The NBA championship could depend on it. It, it absolutely could. It absolutely Just could. Saying. And then he, the can, he can be like Rudy and lose a contact every five games. <laughs> I swear. Always always looking for his contact, I swear, nonstop. Um, Let's real quick, because we we only have 10 minutes left, let's go through the next, uh, the schedule for the upcoming week until we record next. So we have at home tonight against the Kings. Jazz are favored by nine, I think. Kings are much improved, though, as we saw earlier in the year. I'm going Jazz. I'm going Kings. At home? Yeah, going Kings. You're going Kings. All right, man. Uh, I really like what the, how the Kings are playing. I mean, it hurts me to say it because I don't really like the Kings. It's kind of the beginning of the end of the. Yeah, you know. I got a, yeah. I got a lot of bad feelings towards that. What was it, Arco Arena? I don't know if they oh, still play there. Cowbells. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. Um, the oh, cowbell. I, that was their thing. You. That's why you don't like cows. That's why you don't like Aggies. That's true, man. I. It's. I don't. Yeah. I'm not an agriculture guy. What can I say? But then James, I mean, if you, if you're thinking they're going to lose at home to the Kings, you got to be worried. Cause then they, they go on the road to play the Hawks. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I got Trey you. young is damn good, man. He scares me. Yeah, he is. And, and he's, and he's wild. I mean, I sort of feel like, look, Donovan, we talked about it last week. He's not, He's still scoring the ball. He's a little inefficient, but one thing I will say, and you sort of saw it when <clears throat> I'm trying to think who he went up against. Uh, oh, Caruso in that in that Chicago game, yeah, where Caruso was kind of giving it to him a little bit, right, and yeah. and getting the better of him, and you could see Donovan sort of, you know, stiffened up his shoulders and, and stiff upper lip and said, "I want to try to get the, bring this one back for the Jazz." Unfortunately, it didn't happen. 
I'm interested to see if he doesn't start taking a more active role in defending the primary score, especially if it's a guard for some of these top players. Like, I want to see him take a Trey Young. First oh, all, that'd be he's, nice. He's, um, he's I, bigger. I, and we got to say, we, we, in fact, I wanted to say this when we were talking about the Milwaukee game. We got to give a lot of props to Royce O'Neal. Dude defended Giannis like a champ, man. That guy, the fact that he can defend one through five, apparently, and defend it so well. is un- The dude is so underappreciated, both in this market, but especially outside of this market. He's he's a stud. Um, but I, I'd like to see that, too. I mean, we've Donovan's defense has gotten much better this year so far. So, I mean, that's something I'm interested in. And he seems to be passing quite a bit yep. more than shooting. All good things as the season progresses. No, I haven't beaten the Hawks for some reason. First of all, there'll be 10 notoriously, Atlanta notoriously. There'll probably be more Jazz fans than Hawk fans. Probably, but also they have Clint Capella, and we've talked time and again about how he kind of owns Rudy Gobert. I always so, forget about Clint Acapella because, yeah. man, he just – he does always play well versus the Utah well, then, Jazz. Dude, I'm then, still going Jazz, though. You're going Jazz. I'm going to go uh, – I'm going to go Jazz in that one, in a close one, in a tight one. But the next one's going to be real tough, man, because then they got to travel to Miami. Five and one Miami Heat. I'm going Miami in that one. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm not. Look, it's going to be every other game. I'm going to pick it out. We're only going to win 40 games this year. 41 games. That's oh, my God. Going. 41 games. The worst, dude. You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> 41 games. No, I think, that, I think they'll bounce back. Is it back-to-back? When is are No. They, are any of these Thursday, uh, well, the, the Miami and then Orlando are back-to-back. Okay. Uh, I, so I, I'll pick him to, 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 to top Miami and then, you know, probably Orlando too, even though it's back to back cause it's Orlando. They better beat Orlando. So I, I think Conley is going to play in the Miami game and then sit for the Orlando game. And then they come home and they play the Hawks again. And I think they'll get that one at home. Getting those Hawks out of the way yep. early in the year. That's good. That's a long road trip. Yeah. I'll take him at home versus the Hawks. Just, I have a question for you, and I haven't heard it much yet, at least locally, and I don't even think we've discussed it. Definitely not on Twitter. Do you remember how annoyed every single person on the radio who had a podcast or was a jazz fan was so infuriated with Greg Popovich for resting Tim Duncan and all those people, and now suddenly, oh, Mike Connolly, he did we need to rest him. And you don't hear any minute of outrage about paying to not see a star, yada, yada, yada. It, I just want to point out, Jazz fans, no more. No more well, can I trust your judgment if you're not going to be But here's consistent. the thing. There is a – I agree. No, I agree 100%. I'm not, I'm not refuting what you're saying because I totally agree. There is a bit of a double standard. But also, Mike Conley's not the, the draw of the Utah Jazz. That's Donovan Mitchell. So if it was, if they were doing that with Donovan Mitchell, I think that would be apples to apples. This isn't quite the same, but with that said, like I, I, I see what you're saying. Like Kawhi Leonard sitting out half the games, you know, it's, it's annoying and people get upset. Um, but again, like I know why teams do it. I don't like it, but I know why teams do it. Well, and give it some time. First of all, with Donovan Mitchell, depending on where oh, they for are sure. from February or March, that may occur or, you know, heaven forbid it's self-imposed because he wants out of here. Let's not forget quite set the standard on that. Not playing. True. So, I mean, that's the easy buddy. Don't, don't, you know, Well, he does it in LA. He does the same thing in LA. 
True. So I mean, I just find it funny. Sure, Mike Connolly is not the draw, but neither was Tony Parker, really. And he did that with him all good the time. Point. And I love Tony Parker. It's just funny how much that chap the media's hide and every jazz fan. Like, and it did me too. And I find it kind of annoying, even with Mike Connolly, although his hamstrings are serious enough that I get it. Right. It makes sense logically. Right. Uh, but it's and that's, funny. The, that's the other thing. It, it is more of a pressing issue rather than like with Tim Duncan and those guys, it was just like, let's just get him some rest. Whereas there is an actual like pressing issue with Mike Connolly. Again, it's still, I, I still get it. I'm not, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying it's a little, a little bit different. That's all I'm You're saying. You're walking that line. I am. I, I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, let's, we only have five minutes left. I wanted to devote more time to this. Did you see in GQ, there is a, an excerpt from Scottie Pippen's book that's going to be coming out soon. It's called Unguarded. Did you see it? No. I read it. And oh man, oh man, oh man. This dude comes across like I never again want to hear like the, this idea that, oh, back in the day, you didn't have as many drama queens. There weren't as many, you know, cancers in the locker room. So Scottie Pippen was is he is it is insufferable. This and this is just like one excerpt from his book. And I read the whole thing. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but basically he calls out uh, Michael Jordan and he calls out the the whole documentary series, The Last Dance. He says that Michael Jordan was just painted as the savior, and we didn't get our love. We didn't get our appreciation. Like, I really helped this team. I was very important to this team. It really just comes across as sour grapes. But he doesn't just stop there. He goes further, and he starts talking about John Paxton and how John Paxton, you know, he, he's employed by the Bulls, and then they hired Scottie Pippen to do a couple little kind of token things and Scotty's just pissed that he wasn't given a bigger role. He basically is like a spoiled child that's just like, give me something without, without working for it, without putting in the hours to get it. But, and, but there is one little passage I want to read from this book. So after the, uh, the Last Dance came out, John Paxton sent him a text saying, hey, man, you, did, you, were, did, you were done wrong in that thing. Like, you're better. You were a superstar. And just basically saying all this. And there's been bad blood between Paxton and Pippen. Um, and here it is. He says, on May 22nd, 2020, the day after Paxson sent his text, the two of us spoke for a few minutes on, over the phone. He got right to the point. Pip, I hated how things turned out when you came back to Chicago. The organization has always treated you poorly, and I want you to know that I think it's not right. I was glad to hear Paxson admit he was wrong. I had known forever. Wait, no, I'm sorry. Let me, let me do that again. I was glad to hear Paxson admit a wrong that I had known forever, which didn't mean I was willing to forgive him. If that indeed was what he was looking for, it was too late for that. John, I said, that's all fine and dandy, but you worked in the front office for the Bulls for almost 20 years. You had a chance to change that, and you didn't. He began to cry. Not knowing how to respond, I waited for him to stop. Why was he crying? I couldn't be sure, and honestly, I didn't care. Before long, our chat was mercifully over. What an ass. What a total ass, dude. See, man. I mean, it's just so petty because it, it's not though. Like, I actually, I don't like the way he's going about it. And I heard him on Dan Patrick earlier this summer. Mm-hmm. They did an interview, and it was a lot along these lines. Um, Scottie Pippen literally was rated one of the fiftieth greatest basketball players of all time. 
And I love Mike Jordan. You can't deny his greatness. Right. We got two minutes. But the Bulls are not the Bulls without Scottie Pippen. Not even close. Well, guess like what? For all the what? Without Jordan, they're not they're they're nothing. Well, that's a given, but it's about Pippen, like, I mean, and Kraus gave Pippen a lot of grief. And then Pippen didn't get the shot with Tony Kukoc. I mean, he was wronged by Phil Jackson and that organization. And, and and to be perfectly honest, the greater NBA media in general, like he might be one of the best on-ball defenders I've ever seen. Yeah, he was great. The dude is six eight, could jump out of the gym. He made Jordan's life so much easier by defending the most difficult player, who were wings and guards at that time, shooting guards, every play, and defending him at a level that you know few had done. But. That Not doesn't mean that you can act like a spoiled little brat. Like that's the thing that man, when you're wrong uh, like that. Well, when I, well, how? Here's the thing. What he's talking about. There's more context in this. They brought him back in like 2010 uh, to kind of sit on the bench and kind of mentor the young guys. And he was mad that he was just used. He he kept saying that he's he was being exploited. Well, dude, you're not being exploited. Then they sent him out on a on a. And we gotta go. Crap. They sent him out on a scouting job. And he was mad that they didn't use the stuff that he brought back. Like, there's a lot more context in there that makes this little excerpt even worse. So I would encourage everybody to go. Uh, we'll post it on, on, on our website, dogandoose.com slash, no, dogandoose.com in the show notes for this episode. Go read the whole thing because they're in the context. James, you should read it because I'd be interested to know if you still think the same thing. After it probably won't thing. change it. I, it probably won't. I, I hear you. It probably won't. But I want to know if you think that it's that if I if if you see a little bit more my side. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I I do. From that interview, I hear where you're coming from. It's just, I mean, he was my favorite player on those teams. If I could have had one, yeah. Um, and it's, I dude, really think his, uh, you know, it's not greatly appreciated what he gave to those teams. I agree with that. But he's Michael one of Jordan, the man. greatest. I know, players. but dude, I'm sorry that you were playing behind Michael Jordan, but he's the best. He's the best. All right, that's going to do it. Sure. Ep- episode 385 of Dog and News. We'll be back next week. Talk more jazz basketball, Utah, BYU, and Utah State football as well. And we want to know what you think of the show and anything going on in the world of sports. So hit us up, dogandeuce at gmail.com. I'm Dog. And I'm Dude. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for extra content. Find us at youtube.com slash DD on sports. This has been a Studio B production.